welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch It. This is episode 39. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan, it is good to be back with you and doing some Punch It. I listened to last week's episode. Thank you, John, for covering for me while I was away flying and visiting family and all that. I loved the story that you guys wrote about Star Wars. And even though I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, <laughs> I felt like you guys knocked that out of the park. That was really entertaining. Well, thank you very much. We, John and I love podcasting together. And uh, even when I can't have you, it's always good to have somebody as great as John and on the show. And, and I feel like we, if I might be able to toot my own horn, I feel like we did a good job of crafting a story that would be interesting to non-Star Wars fans. Uh, like It would be great for Star Wars fans and it would be interesting for non-fans or people just getting introduced to the, to the franchise because all of the connections to the universe are very tertiary and you could have them replaced and it would still be a, it's still, it would still be a nice epic story. And that's what really what we're going for. For those of you who ha didn't hear last week's episode, I strongly recommend to go back and check it out even if you're not a Star Wars fan. And speaking as somebody who has only seen the very first Star Wars movie and does not consider herself a fan by any means, I got something out of it. I enjoyed it. And you're absolutely right. Somebody with little to no knowledge can listen to this and still enjoy it. Well, I'm really glad that you, you felt that way because that is definitely where I was trying to go. But we're not talking Star Wars today, are we? No, thank goodness. <laughs> what are we Sorry. talking about today? <laughs> We're talking about something that I, I think it's safe to say that we both love at this point, and that is Gilmore Girls. That's right. I completed another season. We're going to talk season four today. I, I'm glad to hear you say that you feel like you love the show. Yeah, I tell you what, season three really, really, really got me into it, as you can recollect if you listen to that episode way back when. I don't remember how far back it is, but it's in our catalog. You can find it. And uh, season four, I feel, is pretty, it's pretty high up there in terms of the strength of the writing, the season overall. And I would dare almost say that the latter half of season four is by far the most exciting Gilmore Girls I have seen yet. A lot happens in this season. There is a lot of drama, a lot of transitions a lot of relationships begin and end. I mean, there there is just a lot of meat on the bone of season four. And you were talking about, before we get into it, before we talk about an overview of season four, because I have it up here that I'm going to read for everyone. Uh, you talked about our back catalog. Where you can find our back catalog is at thenerdparty.com. You can find every single episode of Punch It, as well as every single episode of every other show that we have. And we have shows for everyone. We have episodes coming at you every single day of the week. We got Star Wars shows, Star Trek shows, General Geek Podcasts, Classic Cinema, uh, my other show, Nerd Nuptial, which I host with my wife. 
And it's just so we ha- we're having so much fun at the Nerd Party. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Nerd Party, as well as on Twitter at join Nerd Party. There you can uh, see us interact with fans and listeners, as well as do daily polls and questions of the day. And just, you know, geek news is just a lot of fun. So please, please, please check us out. All right. So I have the Wikipedia season four overview here. Do it. Season 4 marks a year of transitions for the Gilmores. Lorelai quits her job as manager of the Independence Inn, realizing her ambition of opening an inn of her own, the Dragonfly, with her best friend Suki. But various setbacks make renovating the new inn harder than Lorelai could have imagined. Lorelai and Suki start a catering business to help pay for their expenses, made all the more difficult because Suki is pregnant. Meanwhile, Rory is adjusting to her new life at Yale University, coping with the trials and tribulations that come with a living at college. The stress of academia is bundled with having to handle her eccentric fellow students, especially her roommates, and the pressure of achieving her dream of becoming a journalist. All the while, the Gilmore Girls still have to deal with Lorelai's parents every Friday night, the men of love lives past, and the relationships of those who come in and out of Stars Hollow. Alright, so that is season four of Gilmore Girls. Now, I cannot wait to see what you thought of this season. Now, this is Punch It, a writing in pop culture. So, give us your overview. What did you think? Like, you said that there was a lot of drama in this, and I said that there was a lot of meat on the bone. So, from a writing perspective, how did you view the trajectory of season four compared to season three or previous seasons? Well, I feel like Gilmore Girls kind of has a pattern going for it where things that are explosive in terms of development and plot twists and just general drama is very backloaded. So you have the first few episodes of the season start out. They're usually pretty solid. They're kind of dealing with the aftermath of the drama of the season ender and maybe some explosive things that happen leading up to that. Then things kind of just settle down for a little while. The mid part of the season to about halfway I feel kind of lollygags a little bit. It slows down. Maybe a whole lot isn't going on. And then it starts to build again. And then we have drama, 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 explosion, 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 season finale. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's how I I feel about it. (laughs) That's that's probably pretty accurate. So what did you think about the characterizations? What What did you think about splitting up the Gilmore Girls? I was really looking forward to this dynamic because Lorelai and Rory are, yes, they're mother and daughter, but they're also each other's best friends. They rely on one another. I wanted to see what would happen when they're no longer spending all of their time together. And actually, I I have a little bit of a criticism here. I was really hoping for more of this earlier in the season. I mean, they didn't really get to it until about the breakdown when they're both separately but also together breaking down they built it and they built it and they built it and then they finally exploded it and boiled it over but when I went into season four I thought this is going to be so great because Rory's in college she's going to start developing her own life here how is that going to affect Lorelai is she going to be so busy with the inn that it's maybe not going to matter that much or are they going to miss each other terribly but then Rory was in Stars Hollow so often it was as if not a whole lot had changed 
And so that transition happened mm. a lot more slowly than I thought it would. But then when it did, I kind of breathed out a big sigh of relief, like, oh, finally, this is what I was waiting for. Great. This is good. <laughs> I was, okay, I am such a softie uh, when it comes to this show. Like, I understand that you need drama in order to propel a story forward and to keep it interesting but at the same time i was just like no 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 find a way to keep them together it's okay it's cool <laughs> i'm such a hypocrite i'm such yeah. an utter hypocrite <laughs> because i complain and complain about previous sitcoms and other dramas and everything like that that inhibit growth and right we've talked about this on the show yeah but that's the th that's the thing though is like i may be overstating it because i do like the drama i do like rory going to college and i like lorelei starting her own her own in even though it causes pain i do like it so i i'm overstating things just for the joke but because there are times later on in the series where they stunt people's growth and it's just not good for the character it's not good for the show and i feel it's because they have a lack of options the writers write themselves into a corner but this is not one of those seasons i think no, I don't think it stays that way. Like initially, when we're watching Rory spend a lot of time in Stars Hollow, despite going to Yale, like they establish her life there, but then it seems like she's in town quite a bit. Like she's there for a funeral yeah. and, you know, all, all that. And I thought that it, they were stunting a little bit because I wanted to see this growth. I wanted to see uh, the things like Lorelai relying maybe more on Suki, coming to Suki and just crying. And then a very pregnant Suki is crying with her because she's pregnant. And oh my gosh, there's just a million reasons to be crying at that point because the hormones are flying. And, uh, you know, I wanted to just see, I wanted to see them both grow, not apart, but grow into their own a little bit. So with that happening so slow, I was just like, well, okay, guys, move it along, please. <laughs> I almost feel as if, Gilmore Girls was ahead of its time in that if it were being made today, it would be 13 episodes. They'd really condense things down and you would have mm -hmm. such a powerful show. Not to its detriment at all because it is a good show, but you take away some of that fat, you trim off the fat, those middle episodes that just don't move that much. Oh, man, you would binge the heck out of it. You know, I never really th thought of it that way before, but you're absolutely right. I feel like every show, every show that is 22 or 24 episodes a season has fat that it has to fill in. It's got to, they have that budget and they got to fill that quota because they need to make their money back in advertising because the more episodes you have, the more commercials you can put in those episodes and then the more money you make your investors. And that is why you had such long seasons and you still have long seasons. I mean, CSI and all those cop dramas and, and the, the sitcoms and everything like that, they still have 20-some episode seasons. But Gilmore Girls reimagined as a 13-episode arc per season? I kind of want to do a fan edit and put those episodes <laughs> together. Do it. You're a video editor. Do it. I kind of want to. I mean, I, I'm sure that would be a great use of my time. Uh, but <laughs> it, it might take you a few weeks and it's not like you have anything else going on, right? Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing but time. Nothing but time <laughs> on my hands. Uh, but, but no, if you honestly, did. honestly, I think that would be a really cool idea because and also just even from a video editing standpoint, that would be kind of easy to do because the musical interludes are always long in between scenes. Mm, a lot of them are the same. 
yeah, they reuse the music a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're saying the same thing. And so I think this could this could be like an editor's dream to cut this down to 13 episodes. I oh man, I oh. wish I had time to do this. Okay, and and you you can't because you have a family and a life, but <laughs> internet, you now know what to do. Get on it. Somebody out there can do it. One episode that I'm absolutely thinking of is the episode where uh Rory tries to find a place to study. Oh, do you remember yeah. that episode? Barely, to be honest. That was one where I was just why did I watch this? Like, it's okay at the time, but it's very forgettable. And had if, if the season wasn't so fresh in my mind, I it might be completely gone from my memory because nothing really happened. So, okay, it delves into a little bit of, like, the frustration of having to deal with roommates and college life and adjusting to that and all that. Okay. You didn't have to take a whole episode to do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, read this description. It's episode six. Emily offers Lorelai and Suki the job of catering the party to launch Richard's new business venture, then runs them ragged with demands. Meanwhile, at school, Rory finds that her roommate's activities are preventing her from studying. Now, you mentioned about season one having some sort of sitcom premises. If this was ever a sitcom, if, the, if anything was ever a sitcom premise, this is one. Oh, it totally is. And especially when you add in the Emily subplot where she just basically puts Lorelai and Suki through the ringer thinking they're going to get the job and then maybe they won't. Maybe she was just doing it for kicks and giggles and blah, blah, blah. Oh my gosh, that is classic sitcom trope blah. However, the episode after that, episode seven, the Festival of Living Art was such a fun episode. <laughs> yes, even though that was mid-season, just kind of watching that was really cool. I've never done anything like a festival of living art, and yet it, it's in Stars Hollow. My small town apparently is really uncultured because we never had anything <laughs> like this. The only other time that I saw anything remotely like the festival of living art mentioned was in Arrested Development. Where, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> George Michael was supposed to be Adam. That's right. I, think, yeah. I forgot about that. Yes, it's yes, yes. But this one, uh, that episode was also um, the the show's only Emmy Award because it won for Outstanding Makeup. Oh, really? Okay. I can see that. Good for them. Yeah. So one thing that one thing that is a huge thing about Gilmore Girls is uh, Rory's education and Lorelai's love life. Now, we talked a little bit about Rory's education, so let's talk about Lorelai's love life. Digger. What did you think of Digger? Yawn. Because we saw the rise and fall of Digger in one season. Yes, I was not a fan at all. I just thought they're delaying Luke and Lorelai yet again. Okay, I get it. Luke was very briefly married and it was going through the divorce thing. Uh, okay, well, that part of it was interesting. We learned that pretty quickly. And then, yeah, Lorelai and, and Digger are going through the motions of a relationship. And that's how it felt. It felt very mechanical. It felt very mm. just almost like with Max, where minus the the un, like the lack of ethics in terms of like him being a teacher and maybe they shouldn't be doing this. It was just like, we're not going to tell our parents, tee-hee. Oh, barf. <sighs> I was so bored by that whole relationship. I was so relieved when it was over. Never mind everything else that happened with him, just the relationship itself. Ugh. Yeah, I never thought that Digger was a good max, a good match for Lorelai. I feel like 
if this if Lorelai was a real person, if we existed in a real universe and Lorelai was my friend, I would be I I would go to her and say like, really, this guy, like this guy is who you're hanging yeah. out with and sh- sharing a bed with or not sharing a bed with, and <laughs> it's just so weird because his personality is so out there and different in a non-complimentary way to her that it just always confused me and also i i the the actor is fine he plays the character well but i don't dig on the character himself yes yeah the actor is fine it's just the character i feel is almost quirky for quirkiness sake and it did not work for me at all and at least with max there was passion you could tell that they were into each other yes they were passionate about one another they wanted each other with Digger, it was just felt like a relationship of convenience, of proximity. Yes, yes, that is exactly what it was. You nailed it. Since Luke was unavailable, and I think at this point in this season, Lorelai is realizing some feelings for Luke. Since he's not available, she's stalling for time. She's going to get involved with this guy for however long. And then finally, the tables turn a little bit, and we do get the kiss. Finally, we've only waited four years for it. And it happened. But how great was it? How how great was that kiss? <laughs> I mean, you saw it coming, right? But it was it wasn't like a train wreck, but it was like a train wreck where you know it's coming, but you ha you can't look away. You know that this is a very stereotypical type of thing, the way they're doing it, but it's still so very good. It's almost like comfort food for the soul because it's so feel good. Now, before we get to the end of the show, before we get to the end of the season. Because uh, a lot happens in between. Now, let, let's talk a little bit more about Lorelai's character. So, what did you think about her leaving Dragonfly and starting Independence Inn? Did you think this was a good move for her character? Do you think it was a good move for the show? Yes. Do you, like, from a writing standpoint, do you think it gave enough shenanigans to kind of propel the drama forward? Uh, yes and no. I feel like, in a way, maybe they could have done even a little more with it. But I am glad that there was some friction with Suki because Suki is dealing with a whole new life now. She has a child. Things are just completely upside down for her, I think. And in the middle of it all, she and Lorelai are trying to get this thing off the ground. They're running out of money and things are crazy. And it's nice that they shook things up because if they would have just stayed at the Independence Inn, it would have just been, oh, work, whatever. So this adds some more dynamic drama to it all it adds another little edge and this is where they were leading into last season so it was a logical progression i'm glad they didn't take a step back and have lorelei kind of like chicken out mm-hmm. and also i like and not only just where they were leading in season three we heard it mentioned in season one we heard them yeah. talk about it we heard them say we want to do this we want to run our own end and so this was very much foreshadowing and i'm glad that they waited this long to pull the trigger yeah, this does seem to be the right time because season four starts off with a lot of dramatic changes. I mean, Rory's officially going off to college. Everything had built up to that at this point. Lorelai's dream of owning her own inn, it's happening. She is actually making a dream come true. That is a big freaking change. So season four, I was ready for massive shakeup. And it's so great because they achieve their dreams and in classic one-hour drama fashion, that's not the end of the story. Achieving your dreams is not the end of the, st- of the story. 
it's maintaining it and maybe getting in over your head because like you said, yeah. Lorelai got her in, Rory got to the Ivies, and now it's they're asking themselves, is this really what I want? And am I going to be able to keep up with this new lifestyle? And that was the exploration of season four. The breakdown episode, I think, was one of my very favorites of the whole season. Now, which one are you talking about there? I'm thinking it's the same episode, but Rory is basically crying to Dean, like, I don't know if I can handle all of this. I'm in over my head. I'm going crazy. Meanwhile, Lorelai is crying to Luke, and she's just, I'm I'm going broke. I don't know if I can actually make this happen. I'm stressed out of my mind. What do I do? It's that episode. Oh, the incredible sinking Lorelai's. There it is. Episode 14, Lane moves in with Lorelai for the time being and lets Mrs. Kim know who advises her to wear socks. Lorelai, um, the first, visits and learns that Lorelai's in construction is costing more than anybody expected. Lorelai and Rory play phone tag as their frustrations mount. Lorelai's financial woes reach a boiling point and so does Rory's school pressures as each have a meltdown with the strong married men and their lives. <laughs> oh i love the description of that that's fantastic yes that's a pretty spot on description yeah that is that's good now i i liked how they kept trying to call each other but kept missing each other Mm -hmm. that's a very common tv trope but i like that this shows the codependent relationship that they have with each other where sometimes it can be good and sometimes it can be bad because when you depend that hard on someone and they're not there for you, whether by choice or by circumstance, it can be detrimental when that person is going through a rough time. Yeah, totally. And it also just kind of shows that, hey, there was a little bit of an imbalance in the universe for these ladies and life was not going so well. And so watching them kind of fall apart without each other was really interesting to watch and to be honest I'm so glad that happened because like we were talking about just a moment ago with realizing your dreams it's not I mean achieving the dream I think is the easy part once you get there and you've got to go to this whole new level and you figure out how difficult it is that's that's the hard part (laughs) that's the real hard work Building up is one thing and then carrying it out is entirely another. I'm so glad they portrayed that and they showed that this is not easy, but they're aiming high and they are doing it. It's just no matter how good you are, even if you are a Yale scholar, life is not necessarily going to be easy. Nothing gets handed to you on a silver platter. Now, speaking of Yale and speaking of Rory, what did you think about her and her storyline at Yale? Well, first off, the credits spoiled the whole idea that Paris was also going to be going to Yale, which I found hilarious. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about that first, okay? So okay. this is also another TV trope that happens all the time. The frenemy from high school all of a sudden is in college, where people yeah. are in college from the show that you would not expect. Now, I know it's very hard for shows to cut the secondary cast out and start over again. Because right. they they have to keep Lane because she's a Stars Hollow person and we are in Stars Hollow all the time. But Paris is not a Stars Hollow person. She's a Chilton person. And so it is very far-fetched, far-fetched that this person would be not only going to Yale, but be... I guess it's not a far-fetched that a, a prep 
student would be going to an Ivy League. That's not far-fetched, but the no, way that not. it happened, the way that it happened, the way that Paris went to Yale, the way that she ended up at Yale, and also the way that they ended up roommates. You're, like That's one of I those know. moments when you kind of go, okay, it's TV. All right, I find right? it's TV. Let's it's, move on. Yeah, it's a little too convenient. So yeah, of course, Paris is there. Of course, some of the other Chilton ladies, uh, I forget their names, their minor characters, they're around... So that's very much a TV thing, absolutely. Well, I liked it. I liked it when um I can't I can't remember their names either. But those two okay, girls. Okay, good. I feel feel bad then. Yeah, I like when those two girls show up at spring break. Like I yeah. thought that was fun. Okay, that that's like that was a a fun thing, and I'm like, oh, what happenstance is this? Because it's a one off episode. It's not like oh yeah, we decided to go to Yale too. You know like. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, that definitely would have been way too much. Uh, yeah, spring break was fine, but I just thought, oh, how convenient is that, too? But yeah, oh, so I be it, it yeah. Fun. Madeline and Louise, that was the name of the character. That's Madeline what, okay, I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Paris, it, it very much figures that she is basically trying to become Paris Hilton in a way. I mean, yes, she is wicked smart and she was the overachiever and all that, but she wants to become a party girl so bad and fails so horribly at it. It's it's uh, it's very it's just very Paris. Yes, but okay, so before we move on full time to Paris. Now, okay. what did you think of Rory's love life at Yale, specifically at Yale? Did you feel for her with going through college and like trying to test the waters of what it's like to college date because this is you know, like we saw her first date post Jess, and I mean, I've never been a freshman girl, so I can't, t- I can't, I don't remember what it was like. I know <laughs> what it was like for me, and it was very different from that. Like to me, like I, I went like crazy. I was just like, look at all these new people I get to know and hang out with and date and have fun with. And Rory seemed to be much more, much more selective with who she spent her time with. Yes, and it still backfired on her, which I appreciated. Because at this point, Rory's love life has been incredibly convenient in that she's being pursued. In college now, we see her being the pursuer, and it doesn't work out. And so that's some good growth for her. So it's it's a different experience for her. It's not Stars Hollow. It's a nice reminder that this is a different phase of her life. This is a different place. And this is a little more of the quote-unquote real world you instead of being the rejector get to be rejected and it might just be that that other person isn't that into you it's not that anything is wrong with you it's just they aren't feeling it that's kind of what i got out of it and i thought that was a good lesson for rory that is a very good lesson because you're right you're right she was the cute intellectual girl and her first two boyfriends literally fought each other over her and right, there was right. there was town drama about her relationships. That's how involved other people were. And yeah. here she she's just another face in the crowd. And when you go when you're a big fish in a small pond, and then all of a sudden you go to a place like Yale where everyone was the smartest kid in their high school. Yeah. It takes some getting used to, and that can can sometimes translate into your love life. Yeah, no doubt about it. The Rory Gilmores of Stars Hollow and everywhere else in America that have come to Yale. I mean, you're a dime a dozen at this point. You're not that special. I think that was a very good lesson to teach Rory. Very much so. Very much so. Now, some other people who had a lot happen to them would be Richard and Emily. 
Yeah. How about that mustache, first of all? Yeah, that's I feel that, like that, the, yeah, that was kind of the turning point. Was once the mustache <laughs> got involved, <laughs> everything went straight to hell for those two. <laughs> now this, we see them go through a, so, some rocky terrain with their marriage. Not just fighting, yeah. but Emily moves out. She moves into a hotel. That's some intense stuff. Yeah, this was not something that I saw coming, but I thought, ooh, now isn't this interesting? Because I feel. Going into the fifth season, I mean, we saw hints of it in season four, but I think this sets the stage for really, really, really examining Emily's psyche. I think the big word that I have to describe her at this point, leaving off at the end of season four, is insecurity. Mm. She's been insecure, I think, her whole life, trying to prove that, yes, she is adequate for this life that she has as basically like a socialite, and yes, she is important, but I feel... Even though she does kind of, uh, she prides herself on what she does and she does enjoy it, I do also think it's a little bit empty and she's looking for something a little bit more. It's going to be so incredibly interesting to see where Emily goes next season with all of this. And do they separate for good or do they get back together? Now, the, uh, the episode that I love is, uh, like one of the many episodes that I love in season four is Seen in a Mall. Where, oh, uh, yes, the mall. <laughs> where Emily goes on a shopping bench. Yes, you know the note that I have for the that episode is, what sort of uppers did Emily take before going shopping? Jeez. I, I love this so much because this is just pure Emily fashion where you know, she takes an insult and then turns that insult into an insult on the person who made the insult. Where, like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Richard... You know, Richard, like Richard implies that all she's good at is spending money. And she's like, oh, oh, really? You thought I was just good at spending money before? Watch me now. And she exactly. commands I'll show that you. store. Loved she does. It. She's it. got everybody on a short leash there. My goodness. It was so great. And it's just, there's so many cool things about Emily's character. I love the relationship between Emily and Richard because... Richard is a powerful man. He's a wealthy man, and he's a he's an influential man. And she's kind of been the woman behind the scenes. She's the one who plans the cocktail parties. She's the one who makes the dinner invites. She's the one who organizes everything and organizes his life and everything like that. So she is an integral part of the of the duo. But she doesn't get really the press. You know, she doesn't get the attention. Yeah, and she doesn't get the credit. Exactly. And she even stated that I've been in, like, I can't remember how long she's like, I've been in the Richard Gilmore business for 40 years or, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't imagine life without him. I think there was one episode where he was, he was sick. And she said that. And the idea that you're in the Richard Gilmore business, and then all of a sudden that person doesn't appreciate you, you lose a big portion of your identity. Absolutely. And so we're kind of seeing Emily struggle without that now. And then also on top of that, to find out that the woman that Richard admires most in the world besides Emily, his mother, didn't want, like, try to convince Richard to not marry Emily. That is such a huge blow on your ego and your insecurities and your commitment. Yeah. I mean, it's just oh. like she just kept getting hit after hit this season. 
Yeah. Oh, no doubt. That was that was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back. And then after that, she just lost it for good reason. I mean, gosh, I can't imagine how I would feel if I saw a letter like that from my in-laws. It makes sense that she flipped off the handle. And again, I'm just really excited to see where this goes with her. I think it's going to be a really transformative thing coming up. I just I feel it. This, you know, this was kind of the impetus, but now we get to see it play out in season five. And I want to confess that Emily has not always been my favorite character. There's just some times when she is just so petty and it seems like so irrational that I just cannot understand her. And I'm just, shut up. <laughs> you know, get a life. What? Where are you even coming from? I do not understand people like you. Maybe it's the wealth. Maybe it's the socialite mentality. That's not a world that I live in. So I'm just thinking, oh, I don't understand this character very well. But I'm thinking we're going to understand Emily a whole lot more. And you know what? I cannot wait because she's going to have to really dig deep and find out who she really is and deal with some things that I think have just been, I don't know, buried for decades now. We're going to have to hash this out. Now, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on Richard, but I do appreciate what they did for Richard this season with giving him a business partner in Digger, getting him sued by Digger's father, and then then Richard countersuing Digger, and then Digger breaking up with Laurel, or Lorelai breaking up with Digger because of the countersuit and everything like that. It seemed like it was a very cool background thing to watch. They didn't focus on it too much. It wasn't like the main thing that was going on. You know, like it wasn't the Dragonfly, it wasn't Yale, but it was really interesting to see Richard work in the business world because we didn't normally see that. We saw Richard come home from the office. We didn't really see him act at the office and so I thought that was cool to see this season you know I had a hard time kind of knowing what to think about that whole thing did Richard kind of see this coming was this what he wanted to do in terms of like making his own business so that he could eventually get back into his old company was it a really cold-hearted move like that or did he just kind of see it as more of an opportunist when things started playing out the way they did with the lawsuits found a way to make it work out in his favor and didn't care too much about what happened to Digger in the process. Kind of just the the business world that I, I don't like because it's very cutthroat. It does not care about people. It is just all about numbers and making money. Yeah. And I think we, we coined this term a couple of uh, episodes ago. Uh, this was indeed a very Richard move. <laughs> Indeed, that's basically how I would sum it up, and I'm still not sure how I feel about that, to be honest. Okay, so the end of this season, the last two episodes, were pretty crazy. Just a little. A lot happened in these last two episodes, so let's go ahead and move on to that. So the second to last episode was called Last Week Fights, This Week Tights, and here's the description. With Lorelai's help, Mrs. Cam and Lane work out their new relationship. Thanks in part to her grandmother, Rory gets stranded on a bad date where she turns to Dean for help. Liz and TJ's renaissance wedding in the town square has Luke and Lorelai enjoying each other's company so much so that Luke asks Lorelai for another date and on his way out of town, Jess asks Rory to leave everything and run away with him. That's a lot of stuff. (sighs) Yeah, okay. Let's start with Lane first. We haven't talked about her and she had a lot going on this season which was very needed. It was about time they did something with this poor character. She's, I know. <laughs> right? 
So this is actually one of my favorite parts of season four. I mean, what a drastic change for this character. Basically getting kicked out of her house. I feel like Lane dealt with it a lot better than her mother did, which I feel is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Because uh, Lane is pursuing her dream. She doesn't know entirely where it's going to go. But it does seem like things are starting to happen. And somehow she and her bandmates, they're scraping by, making it happen. That's pretty wicked amazing. And she's learning to be her own person. Her mother, on the other hand, does not know what to do without helicopter momming her daughter. So, hmm, that backfired, didn't it? (laughs) Way to go. And Lane really ramping up the band is just so much fun. I love the band storyline. I love what they do with it. Me too. It's fun. I'm a little sad that Lane is kind of divorced as a character from Rory and I don't yeah. want to I don't want to give too much away but they they try to resurrect that every now and again it never really works and I like it and dislike it I I dislike it because <laughs> I love the two of them together I like it because it is so accurate to what real life is like where you don't see your friend every day you don't see them every week sometimes you don't see them every month you don't see them every single year but when you do see them sometimes you can fall right back into place with where you were. And that's very much Lane and Rory. Rory's living her life. Lane is living hers. And they're independent. They're separate. So instead of cutting out Lane altogether, saying, oh, well, we're just not going to deal with her anymore because Rory's done with her, the show decides to keep the character. And I feel like they do some really great things with her, specifically with the band. And also, I think it's absolutely crazy that they got Sebastian Bach from Skid Row to be Gil. <laughs> isn't that awesome i saw him and i'm like where do i know him from i had to look it up and i was once i saw the name i'm like are you kidding me oh my god it was was great that was fantastic i i i got a real kick out of that he's not the best actor (laughs) um but you know what he does fine for this kind of a character he really does it's it, it it took me a while to get used to him. Like when he first came on, I was like, I don't like this guy. He's weird. He's not that great of an actor. He's too old. It's awkward. But when I went back to it and watched the series a second time and then a third and a fourth and a fifth, I was like, okay, I like this guy. He's he, like everything that I just said, I, I, I say it as a positive now. And uh, he, I just, I just think he's just so cool. He's even acted on Broadway. Has he now? Oh, wow. Yes, it's 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 a little crazy, a little crazy. But anyway, huh. moving on, moving on for that. He was he was in Jekyll and Hyde and the Rocky Horror oh. Show. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, also Jesus Christ Superstar. I forgot about that. All right, very cool. Go him. That's great. But okay, so Liz and TJ. Who cares? No. Nah. But yeah, Rory and Dean. Yeah. Okay. We all knew that when Dean got married, it was going to be a colossal mistake. Clearly, because he showed up drunk at Luke's, talking about how much he missed Rory the night before his wedding. Um, yeah. yeah that's usually a pretty good sign, especially when you're 18. I mean, come on. Oh, my gosh. Just, yeah. Dean, what are you doing, sweetheart? And, and then as this season plays out, they make his wife kind of come across as a little bit of a gold digger. You know, he's just working his little tail end off to provide everything he possibly can for this lady. And what is she doing for him? She doesn't even know how to cook. <laughs> but 
I think now that we have seen a little bit of the fallout or we're just getting a glimpse of it from what happens in the very end, which we haven't gotten to yet, I think we're going to feel a little more sympathetic toward her and her perspective once, uh, you know, everything kind of comes out because I'm sure it will. Yeah, I mean, we, we the Dean's wife, you know, overhears Rory badmouthing the relationship. Yeah. And then, you know, like she goes to Dean and says, I don't want you hanging out with that girl anymore. And I think she had every right to say that and request that. You know, like an ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. bad-mouthing you and your relationship with your new husband. Yeah, bull freaking crap. That person <laughs> has no business being a part of your life. Yeah, and when when that's all the information that you have, that's what you're going to believe. And that's what you're going to say and do and want. Yes. And then did Dean respect that? No, no. Dean did not. Did Rory's respect that? No, Rory did no. not. No, no, they kind of didn't. I don't know. They respected their feelings, and that was about it. They threw the situation out the window and just went for it. And you know, let's just kind of go down this rabbit hole before we get back to to Lorelai and Luke. But okay, Rory, they do something that you can't take back. They slept with each other, and it was Rory's first time, and her first time was with a married man. That. <laughs> devastated me that when i really? first watched i watched this live and when i first watched it i was devastated and angry i was so utterly angry with rory that i didn't watch season five live oh my gosh really wow I'm dead serious. it infuriated you that much wow i had a different reaction entirely i just thought of course it would happen this way because life is messy and of course of course it's going to be a huge mistake. Yeah, it was a huge mistake. And it was just, I'm not saying it was the wrong move dramatically. I'm not saying, I, I, I'm not saying that it was a bad story decision because Rory's not real and Rory does things because the writers tell her to do things. But <laughs> it was so hard for me to reconcile that because to me, that is such this is such a no-brainer thing to say, but to me, that is just so heinous of an act. I just couldn't stand it, and I can't stand it now, but I hate how casually infidelity is treated in TV and cinema. I hate it. Mm. You're just talking overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking in overall. General. I just hate okay. how casual yeah, it is, yeah. and I just get, go, I get so sick of it being so commonplace. But at the same time, it is commonplace. It does happen all the time. And people do treat marriage casually. I just don't. And so I have a different view of it. But, and I'm not going to give anything away for next season. Thank Um, you. But I do like how they treated it. I do like how they treated the fallout. And I loved Lorelai's reaction to it. Yeah, Lorelai was very on point as a voice of reason, trying to absorb the fact that Her daughter is no longer a virgin. She slept with a married man and has to point this out somewhat calmly and rationally, but very matter-of-factly, like, do you realize what you have just done? You're the other woman. Yeah. She says that, and then then Rory's in denial. She starts screaming. She's like, no, Dean loves me, and I love Dean, and we're going to be together. And she's he's gonna leave her his wife. It's what every you know girl says that gets trapped into an infidelity situation, and <laughs> and then she just she runs out in tears onto the stoop, and then calls Dean and gets his wife, and then just starts bawling. 
because she realizes what she's done. And yes, I've loved that moment because yeah. then it hit home for Rory, which she needed because she was definitely in in love is blind mode where she is just totally engrossed in Dean. She believes everything that he's saying. He's believing everything that he's saying, too, and he thinks that he's in love with Rory. I mean, it's just, in their minds, his marriage is over and done for already, but the reality of the situation is it's not. You've it's got not a lot all. of crap to deal with, and you just made your, your lives a lot harder as a result of this one thing. All right, let's move on to something happier and finish up the show. <laughs> okay. Luke and Lorelai at the wedding. I love this moment so much. The Renaissance feel, the flowers in Lorelai's hair, the music, the lights, the dancing. Oh, it's adorable. It's beautiful, and it's also sexy at the same time. And I love. There's. I, I, I'm going to send it. I'm going to text this to you later. But there's one specific shot. It's a close-up. It's a two-shot, and it's a close-up of Luke and Lorelai dancing, and they're really close. And Luke does not take his eyes off of Lorelai. He's just staring her down. And Lorelai's looking off into the distance. And then all of a sudden she looks up at him and realizes what they're doing. And that's the <laughs> moment when you're, that that's the it. moment that everybody was waiting for. You're like, yes. boom. Even more so than the kiss at the end of the show. That moment of that acceptance, that surrender, that submission. Boom. The shippers are now rejoicing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all have that collective squeal in that moment. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere of that scene is staged almost so perfectly and beautifully and lovely that you just think, oh, come on, really? That's just a little too much. But at what? the same time, what? no, no, but hang on, hang on, hang on. But at the same time, like in your mind, like if you ever wanted to construct that in your own reality, if that's how you wanted to really have that that moment of no return with the person you love, wouldn't you want it just like that? Of course you would. So these guys get to live out some of our wildest, freaking, most incredible dreams right there, where it's just almost surreal in nature. And it was beautiful, and it was just so sweet. And ah, finally, finally, finally. Although one thing does put me on edge, and it's something that Luke said. Oh, I forget who said it. Was it Miss Patty something? Or, or, no, it was Suki or something. I shoot, I don't remember now. <laughs> Somebody says, oh, Luke and Lorelai, you're finally together. I'm so excited and happy for you. It's about time. And Luke says something on the lines of, well, we'll see about that. And I'm just thinking, ooh, sharp step back. What are we going to learn about Luke that's going to just crush the reality of this relationship now? Well, you'll have to tune in and find out for season five. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I can't wait because now that we're getting this podcast done, I feel like I can dive heavily into season five and just binge through it. Well, I could keep talking about this forever. I could keep dissecting Luke and Lorelai. In fact, I almost did, but I can't ruin that great of a segue. So let's just go ahead and move <laughs> forward. Thank you guys so much for listening. We we love that you guys choose the, uh, your time wisely and listen to Punch It. And uh, please go to the nerdparty.com slash punch it and uh, listen to all of our back catalog. And uh, if you'd like to write to us and uh, tell us what you think of this episode or what you think of Gilmore Girls Season 4 or what you would like to hear us talk about in the future, please go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select Punch It from the drop-down menu, send us an email, uh, fill out the form. and it's uh, We love to hear from you guys and uh, we love to hear your opinions as well as your ideas. 
And uh, also, please, you can find us on Twitter at Join Nerd Party. You can find us on Facebook.com slash The Nerd Party. And this, I just, I'm so jazzed about talking Gilmore Girls. It just, every <laughs> single time we talk it, I want to do a rewatch myself. And you know what? We're going to have to wait till we talk about season five so that you can actually watch it and catch up. But until then, whatever we talk about next week, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.